Good morning, North Shore. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And our online family, Merry Christmas to you as well. My name is Pat Lassard. I get to be one of the pastors here and continue on in our series, Simply Christmas. Well, we hope you are all ready for Christmas. We hope you are ready. But if not, we hope that this service would help you be ready for Christmas. When it comes to Christmas, there is a lot that goes into preparing for Christmas, is there not? I don't know of anything else that compares, that the world prepares for this special occasion, for this moment of great significance. It's everything All the attention goes to it. And there's a lot that comes to it when it comes to gifts. And then gifts, you have wrapping and wherever you are on your skills of wrapping or not. uh, Or shopping and shopping online and lines and postage. And then you have decorations and you have traditions and gatherings and plans and food and sugar. And wherever you're at with sugar, right? And, 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 and. There is a lot of preparations that go into this moment of great significance. For the Lassards, one of the biggest moments and traditions is about the tree. Historically, we have went out in the woods. We've purchased a, a tag from the Forest Service and then went out and cut a tree down. I think we've been doing it for 17 years since my, my first one was... I, think one years old, two years old. And so we went out and done that. And I take the kids and, and take the dog. My wife actually isn't allowed to come for a very strategic reason on my part because the forest I don't think can handle her strong opinions about what a true Christmas tree should look like. And so, so it's just us. And so, but here's the deal. This is the deal. So I go out with the kids and I look at thousands of trees. Actually, don't show the picture yet. I go and look at thousands of trees, thousands of trees. And I only bring back the best of the forest to my wife. That's the deal. Okay. So we went out for the first time. This is new, being new uh, here. We, I had to do a little more research. We actually ended up going to Index. So it was an hour away. Got the tree, uh, tree tag, found out where you could go. That was a place you could go. It's legal and whatever. So we go and uh, you can pull the picture up now. This is me and my kids. And, uh, and so we go there. It's a trailhead. There's a ton of people, which was new to me. Okay. Uh, I'm picking up what, what you guys do here. And this is the forest that we came to. And you can see there's no, from the prior picture, this, go back to the last one. Okay, there is not a Christmas tree to be had there. So that's the beginning. So then we climb up to the top here. It's 1.3 miles like this. It took like an hour and a half to go a mile. And so anyway, so we get to the top. It's beautiful. We climbed this fire lookout and we're looking out. There is a few Christmas trees up in that area. A few Christmas trees. Now, there's about 50 people there as well, and nobody's there killing Christmas trees. And so if I started to do that, I would have certainly been booed off the mountain, tree killer, and all sorts of bad things. 
and my walk of shame back down to the truck. So anyway, so for the first time ever, I came home empty-handed. And the deal was, my wife was happy about this, because the deal was, if I come home empty-handed, I will go and buy you one. And so we went to a tree farm, and this is the end product that I purchased for the first time ever, this nice, full tree. That is all just one preparation, right? And you have your own stories, and you have your own traditions. That's just one segment of the preparations that go into Christmas. There's a lot that goes into Christmas. And there's a lot that goes into Christmas for God, too. So if you're not ready for Christmas, we hope that this service would help you be ready for Christmas. As I was preparing for this message, I came across this amazing quote about Christmas. I want to share it with you. Anne Voskamp, great woman Christian leader, she said this. She said, we're ready for Christmas, not when we have all the gifts, but when we're ready for Christ. We're ready for Christmas, not when we have all the gifts, but when we're ready for Christ. Meaning, when we are fixed and focused on Him, that we are ready to adore Him. Our gaze is fixed on Him. Our hearts are tuned in with Him. That's when we're ready, truly, for Christmas. So, so with that said, we're going to dive into our message. And uh, I want to look at the Christmas story. As, as last week we looked at the promised gift, today we're looking at preparation. And I want to look at what God had done for preparing for Christmas. And it starts way back in the garden, way back in the garden. Genesis 3, God made everything. He made the world and everything in it. He made Adam and Eve, and in the garden was Satan. And as Satan is the accuser of the brethren, and he is the father of lies, and he is the deceiver, he deceived Adam and Eve. And he deceived them to sin and to rebel against God and to not believe and not trust God, not trust God that God was good and what God had provided was enough. And so they sinned, they went off course. And so in this sin, God had a conversation with all of them. And I want to highlight the one that he had with Satan. Genesis 3, 15. It says this. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Kind of a strange word. We don't use that a lot. Strife. I will put strife between you and the woman. And between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Something I want to highlight here in this is there's two words there that are side by side that it's the only time in the Bible these two words are next to each other. Her offspring. And if you see, if you look down in your Bible at your little notes and it says seed, her seed. All the other times in the Bible, it is his offspring, his offspring, his offspring, his seed, his seed, his seed. This one time, it says her seed. Now, 
how many of you went to a biology class at some point in your life and you learned in that the reproduction system, how God made there are seeds and there are eggs and women do not have seeds. But one time, one time, there is going to be a thing that God does that is beyond the normal path. And so in this, Genesis 3.15, God prophesies. He speaks what is going to come. And this is the promised good news from the beginning, from the gate. And this one that's going to come from this one lady, this one circumstance, this one time, he is going to destroy this enemy. And the enemy in that process is going to injure him the bruising, the crushing, and so on. So this whole Christmas story is thousands of years in the making. Thousands of years. And as Scott led us this last week, even leading up to as we got closer and throughout the Old Testament, God promised this gift of this one. God promised this gift. And he took us to Isaiah. And I want to look at a couple verses that we looked at this last week starting with Isaiah 7, 14, and then on to 9 where he took us. Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. And, verse, and chapter 9, verse 6, next page over. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall rest upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And as it was pointed out to me last week, the end of verse 7 says this, The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. In other words, the zeal, the, the power, the commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make sure that this happens. How many of you have ever been told a promise, been made a commitment, and they did not follow through on carrying out that promise and that commitment? How many of you have ever experienced that? How many of you have made a promise, made a commitment, and not followed through on that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's part of being human, right? God cannot raise his hand to that question. God has a perfect batting average when it comes to being a promise maker and being a promise keeper. He always, 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 a thousand percent of the time, keeps his promises and always fulfills what he says he's going to do. The zeal of the Lord will make sure that these things happen. This promised good news way back when that there is going to be this miraculous time through this one, mirac through this one experience with this one lady, with this one seed, and he continued to keep it in view that this is the promised gift. This is the answer. And as Scott so well said, the answer to the world's problems is going to be found in this one baby of all, right? 
as the story continues to unfold, God preparing for Christmas. For thousands of years, God was preparing for Christmas. As it got closer and Jesus was about to be on scene, Matthew 1 inserts this genealogy of Jesus. And normally that wouldn't be a very exciting read. It would be his, his offspring, his offspring, his offspring, his seed, his seed, his seed. He begot, begot, who begot, right? We love that stuff. We, we memorize those. No? Matthew 1, so it peels the curtain back and it helps us see the family line that Jesus came from. And it's significant. So I'm going to start mid-sentence in Matthew 1, verse 5. So it's the whole begot starting from Abraham, and then go on on, mid-sentence, this is what it says. And Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David the king. And the next verse there. And David was the father of Solomon, by the wife of Uriah. So all the other names that were named before this, verse 5, and the names that were named after are all, this male was the father of this male, who was the father of this male, who was the father, and then after that as well. And then interestingly enough, this is added. Now a few things I want to point out here, okay? So... Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. If you remember, Rahab was a prostitute. She was in Jericho. Notice that it does not say Rahab the prostitute. It doesn't say that. Because she is not identified by her sin. She once was, but not anymore. Why would that be true? And why would that be significant? Because we, too, are redeemed. And all who call on the name of the Lord are redeemed. And so though there was a broken road and a broken past with a broken story mistakes made, and the Lord knows why, there was redemption in her broken story. So she is not identified by her sin. Same's true for us. It's an important part of the Christmas story. Amen? So, so Boaz by Rahab, meaning Boaz's mom was <laughs> Rahab. Boaz's mom was Rahab. That's amazing. And Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth. Ruth, do you remember just going through that sermon series right before Christmas? That was not an accident. That was intentional. It was a perfect segue and setup to the Christmas story for this reason. She is, they were a part of Jesus' family line. It's the people that God used to bring about Christ, this story. And she was not an Israelite, she was a Moabite, and she was a widow. And God had a plan with her still in her brokenness, in her suffering, 
God had a plan still. He was not done yet. Amen? And he used her, and he used her story and brought her in and redeemed her. And he goes on. And Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David the king, which is really strong. That's great. David the king. But then it says, and David was the father of Solomon by the wife of another man. And if you know the story, it was a shameful, shameful, embarrassing story of betrayal on multiple fronts, right? One of his loyal subjects in his army, and he took advantage of him, had him killed, took advantage of his wife. So why do I point this out? I mean, that's not like reindeers and Rudolph and presents and snow. By the way, where's the snow? (laughs) I highlight this because this was a true part of Jesus' story. I mean, a, a good Jew would not capture these embarrassing truths. This is a part of the Christmas story too. God uses a broken road. God uses broken people to bring about his son. And every single person in here and online has a story. We all have stuff. We all have stuff. And God knows that. Merry Christmas. That's why he came. There's not another way. This is the only way. He did not come for those that pretended that they were okay. He came for those that were willing to admit humbly, I need help. God, I need you. God, I can't fix this. I'm not enough on my own. I don't know what to do with this. Merry Christmas. That was all part of his preparation. God was preparing. And then there was this final moment, this final detail of the Christmas story, and it has to do with John the Baptist and his dad. So the angel Gabriel, now we're in Luke 1, okay, and that's where we're going to finish up here. Uh, Angel Gabriel meets Zechariah in the temple as he was serving as a priest, and he meets Zechariah, Gabriel, and Zechariah appropriately is afraid. That's kind of what the human experience is when it comes to meeting a large, angelic, dangerous being. And he says, don't worry, it's okay, it's okay. I actually bring good news to you. You're going to have a son. I've heard your prayers. I've seen your wife who is barren, who has suffered for a long time. And she's going to have a child. You're to name him John. He is going to be the forerunner for the one. For the one. Zachariah's response is this. This is important. He says in verse 18, he says, How shall I know this? Because it doesn't make sense to me. I'm old and she's old and so on. Gabriel says, I'm Gabriel. I stand before the Lord. And because you didn't believe, I'm going to turn you on mute. Boop. And you're not going to be able to talk until these things unfold. That's an important piece of this equation, okay? 
All right, so that's God preparing for Christmas. And then, finally, Mary's preparation. Mary's preparation. And I see God prepare Mary in a couple ways. Prepare her of her mind. Prepare her of her spirit. I'm going to read Luke 1, 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, same angel, was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favor, when the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled, appropriately so, at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom, there will be no end. Just like Isaiah 9 said. Just like Isaiah 9 said. God promise maker, God a promise keeper. She Two asks the question. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? He responds, but differently. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has already conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Amen. Amen. Let's look at this here. He prepares her mind. Now you know she's wrestling with this because she says, how will this be? I don't understand. I don't understand. Notice the difference between Zachariah's question and the angel's response versus Mary's question and his response. They both meet an angel. They're both scared. He gives them good news. They ask a question. Fair enough. You know, one and one. Zachariah asks, how will I know this? She says, how will this be? And then... The angel responds and says, you didn't believe, you're going to suffer some consequences. You did believe, and I'm going to tell you how. He asks, Zechariah asks, he says, I don't understand, therefore I don't believe. I don't understand how this is going to happen, and so I don't believe it's going to happen. Mary says, I don't understand, but I still believe. And her mind, you would say, was blown. And he had an answer for her. How is this going to happen, she asked. Well, it's going to be the Holy Spirit. And all things are possible with God. God is the God of the impossible. 
The same thing was true for Zechariah, but he didn't believe. That's what Gabriel said. Because you didn't believe, there's something important for us to be had here in this Christmas story of we can hold on to what makes sense, what our rationale is, what our understanding is, and we can have a very different response with that what we don't understand and what we do understand. They both said, it didn't make sense to me because there's some human limitations at play. And God had a way in and through that. But it came down to believing. Believing. Do you believe I can work beyond what you understand? Take, for example, this whole seed idea. Here's a picture of four different seeds. Now, in these seeds, tell me how many of you believe that these are true seeds. How, How amazing is that design? Most of those are flowers. The one on the right is for a carrot. Okay? God's design. How many of you believe those seeds work in growing whatever they're supposed to? Show of hands. Every one of you believes. That's amazing. How many of you understand how each of those seeds has the complete genetic coding in order for it to realize its fullest potential that it was designed intelligently to become. How many of you understand that? A few hands that are a little more educated in a horticultural culture, aren't you? That's right. Just because you don't understand doesn't mean you don't have to believe. It's okay because there's far more to the Christian story beyond than the physical. Beyond the physical. Which leads to the God preparing her mentally and spiritually. It ties into spiritually. He, she asks the question. He says, she asks, how's it going to be? He says, the Spirit of God's going to do this. The Spirit of God. He answered with a spiritual truth. A spiritual truth. In order to see spiritual truths, you have to have spiritual eyes. If you are limited to earthly human eyes, you will not see spiritual truths. This is an important part of the Christmas story. Because if you strip away the spiritual truth of the Christmas story, what are you left with today? Gifts and lines and postage. And family gatherings, which can be very complicated. They are. They are are in my family as well. Anybody else? They are. It is. If you remove the spiritual depth and spiritual nutrients of the Christmas story, there's not a lot left to it. It is Christ. And all that God did with this seed, this seed was the answer to the world. This seed of God, the promised one, He asks you to believe. You don't have to understand everything. He asks you to believe and trust him. That he is trustworthy, true, good, 1,000% of the time. Will you believe? Will you believe that he is the answer to sin? What you're struggling with right now. He is the answer to your past. 
in what you once identified yourself with or others identified you with. He is the answer to the broken families and the broken relationships and and the struggle and the turmoil that exists within the majority of our lives. He's it. And so we want to lead you with this. We hope you're ready for Christmas, but if not, we hope you will be by the end. And that we too would follow what God was doing in, in with, Mar- with uh, preparing Mary in her mind and in her spirit. We want to do that same thing as well. And so I want to lead you just through a few questions for you to be still and pray. Have a conversation with the Lord about. Number one, Mary responded to what was said to her by this. She said, I am the servant of the Lord's. Let it be according to your word. Will you pray that? Will you join Mary in saying right now, however you do it, if you need to get on your knees, it's okay. At home, here, among brothers and sisters, in the household of the Lord, hands before him, quietness of your heart, will you join Mary in saying, God, I am your servant. I am the servant of the Lord. My life is before you. I put my decisions before you. My past is before you. My future is before you. I am your servant. This is helpful for me. I, I, uh, I have a friend in mind that's a part of our church. Uh, as I say this, but I struggle with anxiety every single day for years. Anxious, fearful, worried. And you wouldn't know that. Face value. I'm good at self-control. And this is a good practice for me as I come before the Lord with my brokenness and you yourself with whatever brokenness it is to come before the Lord and remind yourself, remind your mind, remind your spirit, renew that commitment of saying, God, I am your servant. I'm yours. I'm yours. Let it be. Let it be. Next question, this is something Scott brought up last week, and so I want to bring it uh, in view again. It's a great question. He said, where do you need to simplify in order for you to magnify Jesus more? Where in your life 
where in your heart, finances, schedule, mentally, where do you need to simplify in order for you to magnify Jesus more right now in this season? Next question comes from our middle school pastor. He brought this to mind, Tommy Rubitino. How can you be more present, pun intended, how can you be more present this Christmas? How can you be less distracted? How can you be more present, more present with yourself, more present with the Lord, more present with those that you are with. How can you be more present? In bringing that quote back that we started with from the beginning, we are ready for Christmas, not when we have all the gifts, but when we are ready for Christ. Are you ready for Christ? Are you ready for Christmas? If you're here today, if you're joining with us for the first time and you don't know the Lord yet, you have not made that commitment of saying, I am the Lord's and and God is pulling on your heart. It is not an accident. God calls every single one and draws us by his spirit to him to the true meaning of christmas and if you have not given your life to the lord yet he invites you we invite you we would love to hear your story and have a conversation with you and and help you know the true meaning of christmas jesus christ and he loves you and there's a reason christmas exists so that he would take care of your greatest problem your sin problem and so that you could have true peace and meaning in life and a hope for the future. And so if you have not done that yet, we invite you to, we encourage you to. It's not an accident that you are here. It is not an accident that you're joining us online. It's not an accident that he's drawn on your heart. He loves you and he knows you by name. So we want to encourage you with that. Let us join you in that. Merry Christmas.